Hey, where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? Three squares? You can't spare three squares? No, I don't have a square to spare. I can't spare a square. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. Welcome back once again to Gag Reel your favorite very unnecessary podcast about comedy movies and comedy television where a bunch of schlubs get together who have no real say and no real uh you know uh, viable opinions and we just sit back and chat about what makes comedy movies and television great i'm your host ryan scanlon and i'm joined today by my brother william and my sister rebecca hiya yeah, we kicked off last week or two weeks ago or four weeks ago. Hopefully all of this is like hitting schedule, but who knows with this show and, and uh, work and stuff. But yeah, last uh, last episode, we chatted about the origins of School of Rock. You know, it's history and theory. Then we, we gave a little bit of our brief opinions. But today we're going to dive full into spoiler talk, breaking down the movie uh, specifically for its kind of comedy styles and all of our favorite moments and then talk a little bit about how it's aged so let, let's do it then let's do it Okay, so, yeah, so I'm curious, I guess just right off the bat, I want to, actually, no, screw you guys, I'm just going to jump into my stuff. So right right off the bat, I want to talk a little bit about um, the lyrics that uh, Mike White and Jack Black came up with for a few of these songs, because this movie came out when I was in elementary school, like I was around the same age as the kids, kiddos in the movie. And uh, the stuff that stuck out to me and my friends was definitely the You're Not Hardcore song. Uh, (laughs) Legend of the the Rent. The Legend of the Rent (laughs) being way past due was was the funniest thing in the world to us. And that would be the probably the most quoted amongst me and my friends. But yeah, the Legend of the Rent, I feel like is maybe the best thing in this movie. Okay, it starts off a dark stage and then a beam of light and you can see me and my guitar. In the end of time, there was a man who knew the road and the writing was written on the stone. And then a thin layer of. Fog. I feel like in that scene where he is telling this, uh, telling this song, you get so much of Richard Linklater, Mike White, Jack Black, and the kids, because there's this super great long steady cam shot, uh, steady cam pull out shot of just Jack Black, 100% being Jack Black and being unabashedly Jack Black. And uh, I listened to the commentary, and he was talking about how he was kind of 
really anxious about it. Jack Black was uh, that, you know, the camera was just on him nonstop, didn't get any cutaways or anything, any punch ins. But I think Richard Linklater knew the like lightning in a bottle that he had with this like wildly electric performer and just let him go and let this like really awkward, hilarious moment breathe of him doing this full on. You see like all of his, uh, you know, I guess slight, slight lack of confidence there that you don't really see with Dewey. Usually yeah. he has this facade on, but these kids were kind of intimidating him. So you see him trying to convince him that his song is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love, I love how he'll like, everyone, please keep in mind that I did write this. It did take me 15 minutes to write this or something like that. <laughs> just, uh, just how over the top it is. Uh, chimes will come mm-hmm. in. We'll get dry ice right here. In his heart, he knew. He's just so theatrical with yeah. that performance. It's I, amazing. Yeah. I get Spinal Tap vibes where he's just like, in the ancient times. <laughs> <laughs> The little children of Stone Age Beneath the haunted moon For fear that daybreak Might come too soon So yeah, I'm curious what what moments really stick out to you guys And we, we could kind of ping pong this and just bounce around Well by far one of my favorite moments is the probably the only truly random sequence in the entire movie that makes no sense and it's thorough oh i think i know what you're talking about it's it's when he's screaming to the principal <laughs> the good times theme song uh-huh. and she's looking very <laughs> disturbed and uncomfortable that was one of the things i was really hoping that they would talk more about yeah. in the commentary and they didn't they mainly talked that like apparently in one of the later edits, like one of the ones that was almost to print, they had cut that scene because it's not super pivotal other than just giving Joan Cusack's uh, principal character more depth and giving her purpose. But they said it made her character seem so harsh and so cold without that scene. But yeah, it, it interesting and wild Jack Black decision to just uh, have a transition with him just, you know, he's singing good times. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> And then there's lots of kid interactions that I, but yeah, like I was talking about in the last episode, this episode, uh, this movie is really a lot of just fun moments rather than hysterical moments. And that's fine because that's the movie it's trying to make, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think at the core is the, you know, the emotional kind of heartwarming kind of kid friendly, family friendly story there Mm -hmm. of him helping these kids kind of uh, get out of their their bubble of the private school kind of uh, disciplinary lifestyle kind of thing. And just showing them that there's more to life rather than just, you know, their grades, etc. But I feel like it's all those little moments along the way that, yeah, may, may, yeah. That is where the, the comedy fits into the cracks and is really good comedy when it is there. Yeah. Yeah, there is a really big moment that kind of sticks out to me that's like one of the heartwarming moments where Jack Black notices Zach's dad like berating him for like Mm. having like all the music and only sticking. He wants him to like do it his way because the dad wants him like to be him pretty much. Yeah, he he wants wants him to stay a straight arrow. He doesn't want his kid getting off the beaten path at all. And in the next scene, like Jack Dewey's character, Dewey like doesn't like physically ask him about it or anything, but he does like try to cheer Zach up. And I just thought that was a really cool scene instead of being like, Hey, 
what why is your dad like that? Da, 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 da. It was very kind of heartwarming showing Jack, Jack Black does care, but he isn't like trying to fully get yeah. in the kids business. And I think that's one of those scenes that like really helped the movie um, be this inspiration in like just showing the songwriting process. I feel like you don't, you know, there's lots of movies about bands and they'll just hop into like, yeah, they're playing the song it's now. So and it just kind of like a magical switch happens. Like they yeah. suddenly I think all this is know a, exactly how to play some song that somebody just came up. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's this like really just genuine funness the, in the scene of him showing them like how to write a song and how to jam and just put yourself into uh, into some chords and have fun with it yeah. and get like this collaborative effort going on and they all just kind of yeah add to it and yeah it, it, it's a it's a scene that's pretty rare in, in musical film and I, i'm very glad that they didn't do that moment with just him and jack black dewey like it wasn't just the one-on-one like lawrence's moment was uh which was also a great and funny scene but um, it, having everyone be involved and using it, I mean, that's also just uh, more economical on Mike White's part, too, of just, like, using this moment for Zach as also this big moment plot-wise for the band, for Jack Black. Uh, yeah, it, it was kind of just a smart move overall and a really fun scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And funny, too, like him just being silly uh, while he's playing guitar. Definitely. Uh, he pointed out that that's, like, his only real solo in the movie. Because he's not a uh, a really a, a, an amazing guitar player, Jack Black. any criticisms i guess we've kind of you know brushed around like this being a very broad comedy a very family-centric comedy that's the only thing that makes it slightly less exciting and less um a little less recommendable for me for some people like you know if i am talking about like the the comedy greats the greatest comedy movies of all time i don't know if i'd put this in there because i feel like first and foremost it is that kind of fun kids family movie and then after that, it's a comedy movie. Yeah. Um, but I don't think see that as a detraction at all. It's like very, very good at what it is. And I think it's one of the best like kid focused movies that I've ever seen. And that uh, they all just are so uh, electric and they did such a great job casting it and just writing to these kids, giving them all fun uh, comedic moments. I, I think it's really, uh, you know, a really surprisingly great movie for this this kind of movie okay what about you becca i i would agree with most of that i even have to point out in a lot of kids movies there's like always the like you're watching a kid's movie and you're like it's hard to like believe what's happening because the kid actor might not be the greatest actor or it's just kind of like really wonky or weird but they didn't really focus on that. They focused a little more on the music and kind of making Jack Black's character so ridiculous <laughs> that like it wasn't they didn't really need to focus on the acting. So it was more. Yeah. And like you can you can kind of tell that like these a lot of these kids aren't actors. I know like the uh, the kid who plays Lawrence, uh, I think his name was Robert. He um yeah, they mentioned in the commentary they kind of grabbed him just because 
He was a keyboard player. He was a musician. And I think that's how they picked a handful of these kids. And then they just kind of worked around that. Richard Linklater coming from very no budget indie. I think he knows how to get a performance out of anyone and how to like find what would make them tick, what would make them work in this scene. Yeah. And like you can kind of see in some of those moments that like this kid isn't really an actor, yeah. but uh, he works though. And like they really um, banked on that kind of awkwardness and made it uh, made it feel natural to him. Yeah. They mentioned that that um, that scene in the movie where he's talking to Jack Black about him not being cool enough <laughs> was actually kind of a real moment. Apparently he came up to Richard Linklater and at some point during the filming and said, I'm not an actor and like I shouldn't be here. And this feels like he, he just had this uh, severe sense of kind of doubt in himself. And that's like, you know, what they kind of based that on. And like Richard Linklater is like, that's why you're going to be here, man, because you, you care. Like you're actually thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You're going to be great. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they just uh, did such a great job with these kids of making them stand out. Another fun fact. Uh, all all the uh, nicknames Jack Black came up with every one of them. Oh really? Oh, that's yeah. Fancy pants. Mm-hmm. Turkey sub. Turkey spazzy <laughs> McGee. But will will what were you? Um, you I think did. you were leading into you having some criticisms. Indeed. Oh, I was just like, I guess it's more of a character criticism. But I mean, what's wrong with the music that those kids liked? You know, like <laughs> he was going around shaming. Every one of those other, you know, the non... Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's just Dewey, Dewey's character. Yeah. That was something that they mentioned in the commentary, too. Richard Linklater's like, he uh, he was anxious that, you know, like, he loves Eliza Minnelli, and he was anxious <laughs> that she might, you know, read it the wrong way. But I think, like, through Dewey, it, it all makes sense. Yeah. You know, this is this is his... That was, yeah, his uh, very mm-hmm. rock and roll-centric perspective, which... We still haven't talked about, and I think this deserves a small section here, of like what kept standing out to me in this viewing, because it's been probably six or so years, maybe longer since I've seen this all the way through. It's just how batshit crazy this whole plot is, <laughs> and how this man thought he would get away with this. Just the wildness of it and the severity of it didn't seem as much uh, of a thing to me as a kid. Like, you know, you understand, like, oh, yeah, he shouldn't be doing this, but... yeah. Nowadays, I'm looking at this. I'm like, you you would definitely go to jail for this, right? Like this, yeah. You, you, uh, Maybe you're not planning on, on stealing these the kids. Whole field trip thing. Not only just that, his whole scheme in general, yeah. like from start to finish, was just so. I mean, it fits the character so well. Of like, it's straight up. This fraud. dude doesn't think through his his actions really, and he was so singularly focused on himself. The legend of the rent man. Uh, <laughs> but yeah just the wildest uh, idea out of this man that no one would do i i love how he he spends all that work and effort to become to pretend to be ned to do this this whole substitute teacher thing and before realizing that they play music he literally just sits there and does nothing all day it's just yeah. like he immediately gives up once he realizes that it's a job. It's uh, just like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. You guys just do whatever you do. Go have recess. And that, that first scene where he is in the classroom with them and telling, explaining a hangover, asking for if anyone has any food. I feel like it is one of his like comically uh, best in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Who's got food in here? You're not going to get in, Travel. I'm hungry. You. What do you got? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. 
super funny and uh, super by the book, super typical. Like, oh yeah, this guy's uh, he's he's edgy, he's raunchy, he's not what these kids are used to. Very like fish out of water, typical shtick. But it's Jack Black, and he's like you know just such a unique and now iconic uh, comedic voice and. One day I want to kind of do a, a more of a deep dive on him specifically. Do one of his more uh, adult-centric, one of his more adult-centric movies. But just I'd be curious to kind of see if there are uh, predecessor comedians that do compare with uh, with his brand, because uh, I really can't think of anyone else that really fits into his groove, at least beforehand. I would definitely have to think about it and maybe do some research because I can't offhand think of any. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I guess a Bill Murray would be the closest I could think of, but he also has his own swagger to him. and Kind of just a very different shtick. I think that's what made him work is every one of the big hit comedic voices of different periods of time, you know, like they all were distinct, you know, they had their own flair and flavor compared yeah. to other ones, you right. know. It's because it's unique. It's surprising. It's a different kind of like, oh, I didn't expect somebody to perform a performance like that. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. That is a strange energy that you have, but it's just <laughs> it's like infectious and yeah. just he's he's super enthusiastic all the time. And it, it's very theatrical. Oh, yeah. Just this whole movie, like Jack Black just seems like such a, a theatrical character, like very larger than life. I think the term he used multiple times in the commentary that he wanted this movie to be and his energy to be was uh, redonkulous, that he just <laughs> he wanted to be very over the top. And uh, he did mention that Linklater kind of dragged him down a little bit from that. He didn't use that term, but uh, he, he kind of pulled back on the redonk in a few scenes to make it a little more grounded. Okay. I want to circle back real quick. Because I remember last episode we were talking about that awkward energy. There was a scene that immediately came into my mind when he was talking to the teachers. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, what's your teaching style? And he started quoting the lovely song. And if you uh, watch it, one of the teachers asks, isn't that a song? And he says, no, I don't think so. But the other teacher looks over and shakes his head. Yes, it's a song. Yeah. It's very funny. Just one of yeah, the teachers like, catches it. Yeah, like every single one of those subtle. teachers immediately just kind of writes him off. Like, okay, yeah, we're not dealing with this guy. Yeah, <laughs> like they see straight through his stuff, which makes it like an interesting dynamic that uh, Joan Cusack's character, that she does have this fondness for him. It, it, it's kind of, I mean, it wouldn't work any other way, but they do grow this relationship with each other. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Sarah Silverman here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was kind of peak silver Sarah Silverman. This was, I think, during the Sarah Silverman show or very shortly before it uh, it, it kicked off. You know, but, it was actually supposed to be uh, a role for Tina Fey. I don't know if it's supposed oh, to be, but okay. she also auditioned and was going to get the role. The schedule for SNL was just too heavy. I don't yeah. know if she has the voice, though. You know, I think that Sarah Silverman voice works so well to this uh this character that is a little tropey um I think of the, the nagging girlfriend i think we'll the difference of- would have been you you would almost under like uh with uh silverman playing the character like she's immediately labeled a bad guy kind of thing yeah with, she comes off very aggressive with like a, a tina fey in the role you'd almost like see her perspective a little more i don't know maybe 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'd be curious. I mean, I guess maybe I am a, uh, you know, uh, maybe I do work too much now. But I, I mean, I do see where she's coming from. Like, I think she is somewhat well-rounded. Yeah. But yeah, they do turn her. And we'll talk about this in the How Has It Aged. But they do kind of turn her into a heel definitely by the end of it. And that's kind of Ned's arc. Yeah. Which was interesting. But I think comically, though, I, I think she really works. Yeah. And is a really fun bounce for jack black yeah and yeah they go off of each other hate super each other. well it's hilarious it's super funny yeah i don't know i mean maybe you should sell one of your guitars or something what would you tell picasso to sell his guitars oh my god he's an idiot yeah apparently on set she was just constantly like kind of just breaking mike white who's not a trained or an amazing performer uh, but yeah apparently she kept just busting him up before every take. She, you know, remind him that he had diarrhea, just stuff like that. Just be a (laughs) hilarious uh, human being. I I think she really works well in this for this character that might be a little outdated, but uh, I think she killed it for what it was. Indeed. Also, Mike White really fits this bill super well. Mm -hmm. Like he, he didn't, you know, he he acted a little bit back in the day. I don't know if he's still been popping up and stuff, but he was in Freaks and Geeks very shortly in one scene. And uh, He said in interviews think, he likes to uh, act in the stuff he writes just so he could be kind of a part of it while they're making that it. That makes sense. Yeah, and that's a good move. That we, you know, I feel like you get to be more on set and making more decisions too that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. Super funny. It did structurally... It was a little weird to me, like watching it more analytically, but it works. And like there wouldn't have been much to show if they did more cutting back to Ned and uh, Ned and, and Patty. But they are out of the movie for kind of an hour. Yeah. Like they have two <laughs> scenes at the start. You know, we, we show the setup of him needing the rinse. And then a little after that, you know, there's the scene where he's talking about how he's temping and there's that back and forth. But then, yeah, we don't see them again until really close to the end of the movie. There's a quick montage sequence where he'll uh, he walks into the apartment and he's like wearing his full garb and Mm. they and they like and um, they both kind of stare like wait, he really does have a job? He wasn't just lying? Yeah. I remember that scene. Yeah, that's in that uh, that one with the Ramones montage, which yeah. is a great montage. I love that song. We, we haven't talked at all about the soundtrack of this movie, which I think really helps glue it together as this homage to rock. If it didn't have all these licensed songs, it would be a much different movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like so much of the movie, like, while being this fun kids thing is just so much of Dewey's brain, but also, like, these guys' love of the genre, like, infused into it, of, like, you know, they did the crazy heavy lifting that it took to get Immigrant Song by Zeppelin. Apparently, that was the hardest song it uh, in the movie for them to license, but yeah. so many other classics and deep cuts, too. That Ramon song is not a typical Ramon song, uh, but it's, it's a great one mm-hmm. and a really cool deep cut, really cool pick. Substitute by The Who is way too fitting. <laughs> And I, I love how many big moments they make out of the songs, too. Like, they, you know, they, he picked, like, the three most classic kind of classic rock riffs that everyone learns on guitar when he's, like, making the band moments. Like, showing them, like, hey, let's jam together. I want to see if you guys can do this. You know, he does Iron Man. Mm-hmm. He does Smoke on the Water and Back in Black. Like, three of the most iconic guitar riffs of all time. Yeah. 
and there's that huge moment with Edge of Seventeen, <laughs> with uh, with Joan Cusack in the bar. Yeah. And are you which, sure which is... you don't have coffee? Uh huh. I'm quite sure. <sighs> well, I've I've never been here before. Mm. I've, I've I've never been to this side of town before. In fact. Mm. And then, like, obviously, the song that they put together, it was such a fun homage to all of this stuff. You know, it, it opens with that riff that's very ACDC. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it, it goes into, you know, very kind of typical rock and roll affair. There's some kind of Van Halen-esque riffs in there. Uh, Lawrence slash Robert goes like full yes on, on his keyboard oh, solo. Yeah. A little bit rushed, too, with those keyboard tones. Mm-hmm. Like, Indeed. Such a fun homage to uh, to, to classic rock and roll. Uh, yeah, this is a good soundtrack I'm looking through right now. I forgot Moon Age Daydream was in it. So, yeah, uh, this is now 20 years old. Very close to it, right? Yeah, it came out in the ancient times. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I've definitely hinted at, like, what... I think uh, is the the most poorly aged thing, and that would be Sarah Silverman's character, and more specifically the way that Ned and her work off of each other, and like the way that that is Ned's arc of him getting past the nagging girlfriend. Like, yeah, it, it it's a little uh you know out, yeah. outdated. I mean, uh, of a depiction of a woman. I'd give it a little credit because I really feel like it was less about it was more about these two weren't right for each other in a way yeah sure but yeah the at the same, same time thing. yeah a little I mean, naggy joan cusack's character wasn't really a little bad writing there she wasn't a heel well, necessarily yeah. <laughs> yeah no she's a i think her character is really interesting and really multifaceted and i, I just uh, mainly for and this was apparently just all her but uh the moment where she comes in to tell the parents that the kids are now gone and this was after she was just getting screamed at relentlessly by them for uh you know her them her putting these kids in this situation with this strange man but then uh she kind of has this slight it's a mix between hysteria and pleasure of like her delivering this news it's like at this point she's kind of just over the hump of like even caring about these parents and she's just kind of reveling in it almost or just like happy to give them a middle finger of like yeah Shit's bad, you know. They're gone. Uh, and then her, her going and, uh, you know, congratulating Dewey at the end of the show is yeah. kind of a similar take on the character, which is really interesting. So you're and not just mad. 100%. Oh, I'm absolutely livid, but that was yeah, amazing. Yeah. I actually like the way that the, she uh, delivers that is really interesting. I liked, uh, I liked it when everybody was freaking out about trying to get through the security and that uh, she was like, maybe we should just all go get tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's just some great. I mean, she's like, yeah, like like we said, kind of a much more dynamic character here compared to Patty, which oh, yeah. maybe redeems Patty in a weird way, but probably not. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm curious if you guys have any other things that stick out to you as as poorly aging. Not so much poorly aging. I actually thought quite a bit of it aged really well. Yeah, I thought a lot of the sequences with the kids. Um, were pretty progressive for their time. Um, yeah, definitely. And uh, to just like there was no picking on any of the kids for being what probably was made a couple decades before that. They would have been the weirdos. 
Yeah, you know, like yeah. They, they were, I think like, like fancy pants was just fancy pants. He yeah, wasn't. he was very gay coded, but um, they were you know he's a kid though, and they're they're super friendly about it, and I don't think and, uh, it, I don't think it went into the stereotype too hard. No, and there was like no shaming on. Uh, I was there was a couple articles about uh, the the scene where with um, Jack Black and uh, Tamika Turkey Sub talking You're talking about weight and like mm-hmm. and uh about how a lot of people when they were kids and had similar issues they would watch that scene over and over again and feel better and so i, I think there was a lot of good that this film did that have that has aged rather well yeah no yeah i, I definitely agree and like it's a little par for the course with family stuff family comedies because, you know, they're trying to reach to a broad audience and not rub anywhere the wrong way. But I think it it's so character focused in this and so genuine that mm-hmm. uh, I think it goes above and beyond that typical kind of a family comedy shtick. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, uh, and tries to be really um, diverse, too, for something that um, is, you know, I feel like a lot of people imagine a private school as being a lot less diverse and um, I, I'm glad that they went that direction, though. Yeah. I guess that's it. I, I would love to sit around and just talk about Jack Black's funny moments throughout this and, and all the kids and all the goofy shit that the kids say in this movie uh, for, for the next few hours. But I got to zip out. And so I think we should wrap this one up and call it Signed, Sealed, Delivered. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I can't think... It, it, what are some good ways we could wrap this up in, in a school of rock phrasing? What do you guys got? You know, we just got to get out of here. You know, we're not hardcore unless we live hardcore. So let's go do it. Yeah, let's go be hardcore and live hardcore and take it easy. As always, you can reach out to us at gagrealpod at gmail.com or go to our website, gagrealpod.com or look us up on the social medias at gagrealpod. That's all that uh, I've got for now. I look forward to chatting about uh, another movie next time. Keep it gag real. Toodaloo. It's over now.